Hi, I'm John Stevens. This is Matt Russell. And this is Pod Have Mercy. This is Pod Have Mercy. For those of you who are just kind of wondering what in the heck we're talking about, it's a bunch of nothing. We, uh, Matt Russell is off doing Matt Russell things today. But the Suez Canal thing, okay, now this, this was fascinating to me. So celestial, this is the reporting, celestial good luck, the worm moon. Do you know about this? Have you heard about this yet? Uh, Yeah, I, I saw that. I mean, so they got the ship. I don't ship. know much about a worm moon. Well, so they, uh, they, they had this ship, ship of course, you got to be careful when you say this, is <laughs> stuck in the Suez Canal. And apparently there's only room for, you know, one ship at a time to go through this thing. And it gets stuck, right? And they're backing up these ships all over the place. But go back up, uh, go back down. So the worm moon, no, 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 could be keep Where? going. Okay. No, to the top. To the top. Yeah, there. All right, well, stop. So worm moon. Uh, leads to this high spring tide, 18 inches above normal, which was just what they needed to ease the process of straightening out and dislodging the ship. This is according to NASA. These people know what they're talking about because they're like space people. So, so John, the, the first line of this article is a piece of celestial good luck. Mm. It, is, there, is there such a thing as celestial good luck? I mean, we're talking about... Celestial, you're talking about heavenly bodies, right? The, the, yeah, you're this, talking about an ordered thing. All right, so, order. so good yeah. luck. This is not random. This is something that, you know, it's going to happen. It's not all this. It's not like the moon was up there going, man, that ship is stuck. Man, I'm going to help them out. I think I'll. I think I'm going to spring a worm moon I think on. I'm going to spring a worm moon. <laughs> so anyway, they got this thing. Um, you know, these, these spring tides is pretty fascinating that this thing got dislodged because of the sort of order of the, the, the moon, the phases of the moon. It's pretty cool. I found that interesting. There were these, uh, there were reports that there were boats with animals being shipped from Romania to all these different places in the world. And they were like, if this thing lasts even a couple more days, all of these animals are going to die on these boats, yeah. which I thought, wow, just in time, you know? So... And I saw on the, on Twitter the uh, there's a, a tugboat crew who they were the ones that pulled them out, and they were in Arabic. They were like cheering. I can't remember the name. Salfus number one, number one. Their tugboat number one. Like they won. Like it was like they were just celebrating. They were so happy. It's like we got them free. Yeah. So uh, so it's Holy Week, and I I don't know. It was interesting this morning. We were talking about. With, in our staff meeting, and we broke out into groups. And sometimes when you work in a church, and I think even for everybody this year, um, just like last year. La- last year was so surreal because we were really still locked down, weren't we? I mean, pretty yeah. much we were locked down. And so Easter was, we recorded, no one came, everyone watched online. That was the only way we did it. It was all recorded in pieces put together. Um, and so it, it, last year was really surreal. And I think you do miss it. You do just miss the whole meaning of the thing. It just kind of like, it's just strange. And then this year we're coming into it. And it's kind of like, it's a hybrid. It's like, I don't know what to make 
of it because we're still not having as many in-person gathering meetings as we would normally do. So we don't have the daily, uh, you know, in-person concerts. We have a lot of stuff online, mm-hmm. but not those. And then even for Easter weekend, we have uh, outdoor services that we're doing, an indoor service by reservation. But what, what someone said is like, I don't want it to miss it again. You know, last year I felt like I missed it. And we were talking about how, you know, the ancient practice of going through Holy Week in each day, that there are specific, um, there's a specific focus or theme for each day. And then there's uh, scriptures that you read for each day. So for example, like Holy Monday this week is when we remember Jesus turning the tables over in the temple. And then on Holy uh, Tuesday, you remember some foreshadowing about his death, but also the withering of the fig tree. Mm-hmm. So there's all these little things that happen, right? And then, of course, coming up Monday, Thursday, um, not Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, from the Latin word mandare, which means command or a mandate. And that's when he gives us the command to love one another as, as he has loved us. And so... I don't know. I think going through the process, it's important for people's own spiritual development because you don't have the way to intersect with the church to kind of walk you through it like you normally do. Mm -hmm. You have to find your own rhythm. And I hope that people don't just get lost and then all of a sudden show up on Easter Sunday and go, wow, I just didn't even realize it was this week. I mean, I don't know. That's my thought. And I, I think, too, the um, looking ahead at, at what we find in the resurrection is surprise. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with stuff this week and some of the notes about John 20. And the first thing that hit, my, that, that hit me is that, you know, resurrection, I learned a long time ago, is not something to understand. It's something to experience. Because... I remember when I was a young Christian and I read all the Josh McDowell books and it was all like proof evidence that demands a verdict and all this proof stuff and how they had to like logically delineate like this is how we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this actually happened. And, but you grow out of that at some point, not that that's still not important, but it's like, that's not for me what it's all about. It's like, how do you make it real in your life in real time? How do you see resurrection happening all around you? like in a pandemic. Um, Joseph, how do you see resurrection in the midst of a pandemic? So, so I'm a nature guy. I I love, I I am, my soul flourishes when I'm outside. Uh, I, I love getting outdoors. And one of the things um, this year with the freeze and you, you drive around still today. And, and if you, if, if you don't have the money to bring in landscapers to, to, to wipe off and basically create with a new hmm. canvas, you know, there's still a lot of reminders of, of the harsh freeze that we went through. Right. Um, and in I remember, yard, yeah. and I remember folks commenting, uh, um, you know, about all my stuff's dead. I even covered them. Uh, my plants are dead. And lo and behold, uh, I guess it was about, a week and a half ago, these plant, these azaleas up and down our street that like were leggy, dead leaves all over, all of a sudden started having these blooms. And so like zero green leaves That's in my yard, and, same and thing. all of a sudden these blooms start coming up and, and you are starting to see there's life coming out of what, what is assumed to be dead. 
there's this life. Uh, it, the, the most recent story, I woke up this morning and uh, walked in my, my parents, as you know, live next door to me and they've mm-hmm. been doing a lot of landscaping. And this past Christmas, someone gave them a pecan tree. Uh, for as a Christmas present. And so they planted pecan it in their tree? yard. It's small. Or it's like this tree. pecan. pecan. Not a pecan. It, it's pecan in Georgia, but it's pecan here because um, we're civilized people here. Come on now. <laughs> so uh, this pecan tree is yay high. It's, I mean, it's single stalk right now, right? It's not very big. And it was planted before the freeze. And we've just lament, been lamenting like, well, you know, that thing's, that thing's dead. <laughs> like, John, overnight, no lie, there's now like six green buds that are sprouting out on this tree. It's like, yeah. Well, that thing's from Georgia. It's strong. Well, maybe maybe it is a pecan tree. I don't know. Pecan a pecan tree. tree probably wouldn't have made it, but maybe a pecan tree. But so for me, that's like, that's where I see... That's where I see this, this experience in the resurrection of what is believed to be dead, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this, because I can't fully comprehend death within this life, right, that there, there are things that I assume. Hmm. Yeah, I, this, that, that's so true. I mean, on, on our driveway, on the right side, just a row of azaleas, and, and literally the same thing. There's not one leaf on yeah. it. But there's tons of white flowers that are blooming. Now, I don't think my olive tree is going to do that well. It, I, I don't know. But one of the things that I thought, not intentionally thinking about resurrection and Easter, but as soon as the freeze was over, you know, I'm walking the dog through the neighborhood. And some people, like, two days after the freeze is over, they got landscapers coming in. And they're probably spending, like, 10, 15, 20. They're just replacing yeah, everything. Ripping everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And there's a part of me that's like, you know, God's kind of hardwired into creation. These things are good. They're pretty resilient. Now, not everything will live. I get that. But like, let's see what comes back. And I think by sometimes being a little patient, you realize most everything I've got is going to come back. Not, not everything, but most things will. And so it's, it's the, the thing that's interesting to me in, especially in, uh, in the resurrection story and in God, John's gospel in 20 is that the grave is located in a garden. And the garden contains the grave. And if you think about Genesis 1 and 2, you know, the garden is the place where you have communion with God. The garden is the place where life is birthed. The garden is the place of just this um, wonderful sense of where life really happens, right, in, in the Bible story. Mm-hmm. And yet a grave is considered like a tomb is where death happens. And yet I think John, um, and, and the Bible is just amazing how God works, is that this grave is in a garden. Yeah. And so you don't separate the two. And so what Jesus' resurrection from the dead is the garden, which was a place of communion with God where humanity and God were connected together. And then when the fall came, they were cast out of the garden, which they were mm-hmm. cast out of that connection. And then Jesus' resurrection in the tomb located in the garden now brings the garden back that sort of that communion Redeems it. with God back. That's yeah. what his resurrection does, which I think is a great thing. So I've thought about that in, in my yard. <laughs> it's like my yard went from a garden to a grave and now it's coming back to a garden, but that play of those, the imagery of the grave and the garden being together, I think is pretty powerful. And I think if you open your eyes and you look around in life, what, what we did today is we ask, okay, well, what are the gardens in your life right now, right? Where there's life 
and there's newness and there's excitement. You know, for me, it's like we had a wedding coming up, yeah. right? In in two weeks, whatever it is, uh, we got a wedding coming up. That's exciting. And then you think, well, what are the graves in your life? What are the things that, and how are those working together? And I shared in our group, it's like, we're not able to do as many baptisms of infants in the worship service, in our Sunday morning church service, but we're doing a lot of them in, after the service in the, you know, uh, in the chapel, in the parlor, just families, just Zoom together. And man, you talk about graves and gardens existing together. We're all of this family. Parents, you know, grandparents are not able to travel and come and be there, but yet they're there on the Zoom. And to see the tears flow and the emotion of this child being baptized and them participating and in being there and them naming or, or speaking a blessing for their child from Wisconsin, you know, or California or wherever they are, normally they would be here and they would mm -hmm. do that, but they have to do it removed. And it's like, on the one hand, it's like, man, we're in a pandemic. There's a grave aspect, but then right here in front of us is this garden, you know, where this child yeah. is bringing new life into this family and thinking about the future. It's all about, I think that if I were going to say it's that second deeper look, and that's also in the story. If you, if you read the story, especially in the gospel of John, is that John and Peter run to the tomb. Mary goes first, you know, he's not there. They run to the tomb. John gets there first, but Peter goes into the tomb first. And when he sees everything, John kind of peeks in first, but he doesn't go in. He looks in, but he doesn't go in. Peter goes in, doesn't find him there. And then after John sees um, Peter go in, it's after that only then that he goes in. And it says, finally, the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside and he saw and believed. And I, I love that image of a second look, a deeper look, looking at it a second time with new eyes. And I think about going through this whole past year of this pandemic, this guy that wrote, go up to the top, Adam, uh, Adam Nichols Phillips is this guy who wrote this blog article, which I think is, has been interesting. And he talks about spring coming and giving a sense of life, but scroll down just a little bit more. He talks about grief stages, keep going right there. And he says, if you, if you pull from Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief, you have denial, you have anger, you have depression, you have bargaining, and you have acceptance. But one of the things he says is that there is um, a guy, David Kessler, who added a next, a, a, a sixth stage, and it's meaning. And with permission from Kubler-Ross's family, he's added this stage of meaning. And this is where, how, for example, do you look at everything that's happened this past year and know that in 1 AC, which is we're getting close to right after COVID. Everything is like BC before uh, Christ. Then there's AD, Anno Domini. And now in 2021, we're going to have one AC going forward. How do you find meaning in life, newness of life in this? What's the second look that we take? Um, for example, I look at the church being really going to be different. I mean, the church is going to be different. 
whatever we thought church was. A guy came out Sunday and God bless him. He was kind of upset. I, I don't think, not mad so much, but just troubled. He was deeply troubled. And he said, he just looked at me, and he put his hand on my chest and he's like, oh, I want you to bring our church back. Mm. I want you to bring our church back. And I was like, I don't understand what, what you're saying. Because at first I'm like, what does he mean? We're open. And then I thought maybe he was talking about masking or what. He's like, I want you to bring our church back. I was like, do you mean meet? We're meeting. We've been meeting. No, I just want our church back. I mean, do you mean like because we have different times in the services? No. I'm like, the masks? No. He goes, what makes church so special is I come and everybody's there. All my friends are there. Mm. And I visit with them and I talk to them and, you know, and just encouraged by him and it's like I just I, I bring bring that back and I'm, I'm just thinking to myself dude I can't make people come back if they're not ready to come back but it's just it was this grief right it was just this powerful sense of grief and he's in if you look at those stages of you know there's maybe a little bit of of anger maybe a little bit of denial maybe a little bit of bargaining or whatever he's but he's not not an acceptance of what it is. I don't know. I mean, I think that's really hard for people. And I also saw a guy coming to church on Sunday and he's coming out and he just hugged me. He's got tears in his eye. And I'm like, hey, and he goes, this is my first Sunday back since last year. And I forget for me in September how emotional it was, the first service back. And I, I kind of tapped into that again and I realized there are people now coming every week that it's their first time back in over a year, more than a year, and how emotional that is for people. So I don't know. I mean, I think you can either learn through this wilderness of this pandemic and come out with new sense of meaning, um, or you know, you can come out of this pandemic and just really end up where you started. It's kind of like the Israelites. You know, you end up back in slavery where you were or you end up in some new promised land. And I don't know exactly how everyone's gonna process all of that, but I know that this, um, the way of taking a second look, I love that image of John looking in the tomb and taking a second look and seeing the scripture said he saw the face covering and that was transformative for him. There's a lot of reason why that is. Um, if you go back in the Bible and you see the face covering and what the symbolism is of it, but. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So Jesus prepared his, his followers, right? And he said, I'm, I'm going away. Where, where I'm going, you cannot follow, but I'll come back and I'll bring you to me. Uh, he, he talked about the time coming, uh, and yet they didn't fully grasp. And then in the midst of the trial, the execution, um, and the, the waiting, it, you know, we get this picture that the disciples had started to sink in, right? And even then they didn't know what it meant that he would be coming back for them. Hmm. Right. And so the second look in, in some ways it's, they're having to check their, their reality because it's not just, uh, uh, taking a deeper look of what they, they, grasped and knew to be true, it was, they were taking a second look because 
what they had assumed was going to be real, what they had assumed was 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 being flipped upside down, turned inside out, and it, I can I can relate to that a whole lot more this past year than I could even in past Easter's. You know, past Easter's to, to reflect on the the meaning of the resurrection and to reflect on, you know, there are traditions we've held here at the church that are very meaningful to so many because it's it's how we do Easter. You know, Easter's not going to be the same uh, unless we sing this song or Easter's not going to be. I, I won't be able to celebrate the resurrection unless I can experience you know, the Wesley's running in yelling, he is alive. He is alive. You know, it's, it's those type of experiences. Hmm. But when it's, it, you don't assume that it's going to be taken away from you. And so last year, there was a moment when I woke up on Eastern Sunday and like my, my heart was being drawn to the campus. Like I wanted to come here so badly and just step in the sanctuary because this is where I celebrate Easter. Mm -hmm. But you know, it gets, it gets removed not by decision, not by a choice that we decided we're going to do something else programmatically. And then you have to stop in that, that deeper look. It almost makes you question the value of all those Easter's before. Those are meaningful. They're, they're milestones. They help shape um, and they're a part of my formation. But then when you start to look and say, there's life in the midst of pandemic, there's resurrection. We're, we're, we're seeing it. That the, the folks that are coming back and experiencing the, the first time in a year stepping through and they are breaking in tears, let me tell you, that's because of a deep love for this place and for what God has done by carrying them through this. Mm -hmm. I had a 93-year-old in my Bible study that came in person. Now, first of all, this is a man who's been faithful on Zoom and so when there was a time when we would have conversations, say, well, you know, some of our older congregational members, they, they, they can't do Zoom. Now, let me tell you, we've got folks at all age, like this is a guy who's been faithful. He walked into the fireside room for Bible study and, and he said, I feel as if I've been freed. Hmm. You know, I'm like, that's a resurrection story. Yeah. You know, that's a resurre resurrection story. Yeah. You know, and, and when you when you think about spirituality, whether you're a religious person or not, and spirituality, it's always helpful to think about a second look beyond beyond a, a, a first impression or a first look or a first glance. Because when you look at something at a at a first glance or a first look, and I think the vast majority of our lives, that's the way we look at things. We're too we're too, moving too fast. There's too much okay. going on. We're consumed by so many distractions that we're only able to look at it with a first glance, with a first look. And when you do that, you make a lot of assumptions about things. It's very superficial, triggers a lot of judgment about uh, what you see. And that judgment is a based, on the, on based on the things that appear obvious to you. It's apparent, it's superficial. And that first glance, you don't really linger over things. You don't, you don't so let, let your mind sort of process and meander over those things. You just work with the apparent, the obvious, the surface. But when you, when you do that, you're not going to see any kind of a deeper understanding. You're not going to see any meaning beyond what is apparent from that first look. So in spirituality, we're always like, okay, how do we process, how do we train ourselves to do a, a, take a second look or a 
deeper look beyond the surface, beyond how do we, I always talk all the time about testing assumptions, mm-hmm. right? Don't make leaps of abstraction and just an interpersonal relationships. So many people, we just so unreflective, you know, we read something or we see something, we make an assumption, we shoot you the email. Don't ask any questions, no curiosity at all. There's no second look. There's no deeper look. It's the first look, make my assumption, send the thing. And I've found that if you can learn to take the deeper look, the second look, learn to ask clarifying questions, you know, suspend your assumptions for a while, uh, then you will grow even more. You'll learn more about other people. You'll go deeper in your relationships. You'll find less conflict in life. Don't, don't we want less conflict? I mean, that would be nice. Um, but you, we just are a society. We get stuck at the first look. We get stuck at the superficial level. If you're going to train yourself on the second look, and this is what I, this is what I love about the gospel of John's resurrection story is that John himself is writing the version and he is willing to give you the behind the scenes that he was the one that, yeah, he kind of looked in, but he didn't really see everything. And it was when, when Peter went in and saw more fully that he's like, I gotta, I gotta get a second look. I gotta get a look from the inside. I need to see more. And that was what led him. If you read in the passage of scripture, that was what led him to belief was one at that second look. And in the gospel of John, belief is not just, Hey, I'm getting saved. I believe in Jesus. It's like, okay, now I've got a level of knowledge. That's way more than I had, even though he followed Jesus for these whole three years and he'd already believed in him. But now the, the, the gospel makes a, a shift. It's like, he saw this, he went in with the second look, and he believed. It's like, well, didn't he already believe? Well, yeah, but man, not like this. That's a deeper, that's a deeper level. I think that's, if I was going to say for all of us to be challenged this, um, this Easter and this resurrection Sunday, this weekend that's upcoming, I would say, man, the pandemic, not just the pandemic, but Jesus is kind of shake us up and go, you got an opportunity now to look at the world differently, see relationships differently, intersect and interrelate with people differently than you ever have before. That's why I am not so sure there will be people who will not come back to church or there will be people who will not come back to church as often as they did before. But I'm gonna tell you what, the ones who come back, I think are the ones who are gonna be taking the second look and I think they're gonna go deeper and I think they're going to be more serious about what discipleship is. And so you may have smaller crowds, but I think you're going to have crowds that are going to be way more committed than they were before. And I think you're also going to have some people that intersected with church, probably not as much uh, before the pandemic that are going to come back and go, this is something that was missing in my life before. And it took a pandemic for me to realize how much I need something like this. And I think you'll see those folks come. So you'll see some folks. I've already seen that. Yeah. I've already seen that the people that have been coming to church in the last couple of months, I mean, it's been interesting to me that's like, I don't really know these folks that well. I don't know that they were real active, you know, rolled their sleeves up involved or whatever. I mean, it's been interesting to see. Yeah, you got some of your regulars, you know, the regulars that always come. But I've been seeing a lot of folks that are like, I don't remember these folks being that at that kind of level mm-hmm. of integration or, or attendance or involvement. So I don't know. I don't think anyone knows the answer to what the other side of all this, the AC years hold. But um, I think we've got to push people to take 
a deeper look, a second look beyond the superficial. That's yeah, going to be the spiritual. Well, I, I, so going to the Kubler Ross and that, I mean, I, the addition of the sixth uh, meaning mean, that, I mean, the church throughout history has been a vehicle for folks to explore meaning um, in, in all different types. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's, it's part of, of what, what we're able to do within community and do through the lens of faith. Um, but also within our, within our Wesleyan heritage to do through the lens of, of, of reason and experience. And, and so for us to be able to, uh, wrestle together to say, well, where, where is the meaning that, that as a community we embrace? I mean, John, you've talked about, uh, how God has been at work through the people of Chapwood through the pandemic and in, in, in ways that if we weren't in a pandemic, I don't know if we're able to, to stop long enough to, to figure out mm. to do right. You know, whether it's the, uh, the, the food pantry or whether it's, you know, helping shift folks to a dis- different models of discipleship and exploring virtual options, uh, because folks are on the go. And it's been this kind of this rekindling of, of awareness of the need for human touch and contact. You know, I remember my, my, when our, our middle child was home from school with, with COVID and my son and I had moved out of the house. And while my wife was there kind of caring uh, for Madeline, I just remember there was a time when we were on the back deck and Amy was 15 feet away from me. And I'm sitting there and we're talking and I wanted nothing more than to go just over there and just like give her a hug. Cause it had been like five days since I'd had physical touch on my wife's hand or her shoulder. Hmm. And it's like, how many times do I spend out? How, how many hours do I spend out on my back deck, you know, relaxing where Amy's inside? It's like, yeah, well, when I can go in and yeah, but you have hold access. her hand. Yeah. You can, it's, but all of a sudden it's that separation. It's like, the need, it was so much more important to me that like, I, I just wanted to go over and hold her hand. And, and, and so I think there are people that that's coming out, uh, in this season. Well, there's desire in that. And then we'll wrap this up, uh, but there's desire in that, but then there's also this whole thing I'm seeing as we think about health updates, where are we, what does it look like in, in all the places where we find ourselves. I've also noticed it's like, if you tell someone they can't do something, <laughs> exactly they right. want to do it. And if you tell someone they can do something, it's almost like there's this rebellious yeah. streak yeah. in us as Americans, man. So the, mask is, the masks are the biggest thing. Uh, it, and so today, once again, we were having conversations about that. And I reached out to, you know, Mark Boom and others. And they're like, look, you know, encourage people to get their vaccines. You know, we're not at a level of herd immunity yet. People, there are still people that haven't been vaccinated. There are still people that can get sick. We still see numbers in the medical center that are above where we want them to see. You have 100% of phase one ICU occupied and 79% of phase two occupied. Yeah. All right, that's not good. And everybody's like, oh, it's great. I got my, and so coming out of church, you know, people are like, John, I don't want, I don't want to wear my mask anymore. I've been back. I got vaccinated. I got vaccinated. I've had both of them. Good. That's great. Good for you. Someone else. I've been vaccinated. We need a section for vaccinated people. They don't have to wear their, I've been vaccinated. I've been vaccinated. I've been vaccinated. And it's always like, I, 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 and I, and I just have said to a couple of them, I was like, you know, we had a 21 year old woman that 
was admitted to the hospital this week with COVID. And they stop and they go, oh, well, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, I get it. And Mark Boone sent me a note uh, just a little while ago and he said, man, he goes, we, we are getting close. I, I want to be at the end. We're really close. Thankfully, because he said, uh, this is exactly what he said. I do believe that the end in quotes, uh, as there really won't ever be a definite end, but he said, it's in sight as long as we continue to have people get vaccinated. He said, when we get to May, we're going to start seeing a slowdown of people getting vaccinated because what's going to happen is everyone who wants a vaccine is going to be able to get a vaccine. And so you'll see the slowdown of vaccinations in May. That's only a month away. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's going to be okay. Now we're dealing with folks that I'm not getting that vaccine. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But I've also found the people that said they're not going to get the vaccine are also the ones said they don't want to wear the masks. At least it's been my experience. And again, I'm making no judgment on it per se, but it's just like when they, when they attack or criticize churches for asking people to wear their masks, it's like for us, we're doing this out of love for the other. I'm not, all right, I get it. You've been vaccinated, right? And you are immune, or at least you're 95% immune. I get that, all right? It's probably not, but, but, but they don't know for a fact that you can't carry the virus and share it with someone else yet. So what happens when, you know, now we were, remember how we've changed all our behaviors to protect our grandparents? It was all about protecting our grandparents. Now I'm thinking it's about protecting our kids. Mm-hmm. My 23-year-old daughter who hasn't had a shot yet and has some recurring health issues yeah. or, or your daughters or, you know, well, of course, you've had, all your family's had it by now, I think. <laughs> but yeah, I not mean, we guess, yeah. hey. But you, but you understand what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, so, right. okay, uh, we... We all kind of, we kind of pitched into yeah. this dedication. We, we made this sacrifice for you. And I get that you're excited. My mom's like excited. I've been vaccinated. I'm set free. But I was like, as, as Mark said to me uh, in this, he goes, look, he goes, in a large setting still, he goes, I strongly encourage everyone to wear a mask. I understand the challenges that everyone is facing with this. Continue to gently urge people to keep their mask on out of love of the other. He said, uh, we really can get to where we will need limited masking by the end of June if we can convince enough people to get this vaccine. He said, by Easter Sunday, we will be within 10,000 doses of hitting half a million. Now, he's just talking about it Methodist. Mm. So that'll be Monday of this next week. So he he thinks if you hold out the carrot, now I don't, people don't really think this way. This is what I love about Mark. He's so pure of heart. He's like, uh, you know, if we could just hold out the carrot that, you know, in the next 60 days, we could have optional masking, everything. He said, but stay the course, stay steady, get vaccinated. Um, it's just so hard because I don't, you know, this thing has become political. It's, yeah. uh, and I don't understand why. I think about, for example, my friend uh, Kimmy works at El Tiempo, right? He's, he's a server at El Tiempo. And I mean, this guy has to wear his mask all day, every day, busting his tail, working hard, you know, and he wears it. And I'm thinking, if he can do that, then I can sit in church and yeah. wear mine, right? Now I have to get up and talk sometimes, but, um, you know, I don't it, know. It is encouraging to hear, though, that the end... Um, you know, is, is near, if you will. I mean, if you think about it from a, an apocalyptic we, 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 yeah. 
Well, I know the end has felt really close for the past year. <laughs> no, I, I would I would just encourage that. I, you know, this has been a good day. I mean, um, we're just kind of riffing off some things, but I think as you come into Resurrection Weekend, think about the second deeper look at all th- yeah. things in your life. And then, you know, let's just stay the course on the, on the vaccine. If you haven't been vaccinated, get vaccinated. I think it's open in Texas now to everybody. Yeah. All right, CDC has... Um, now said, you know, schools and schools can, you know, get closer together, which means that the church will be able to do some of these things as well. So I'm encouraged and I hope that people are, um, we've got to stay the course. Anything else, Jeff? Well, you you mentioned a topic that we can't just gloss over. Oh, okay. Okay. You're two weeks away from being the the father of the bride. Yes. Two weeks. There's, There's a lot of preparations gone into that. Uh, how are you? I mean, this is the first time you've gone through this. I've never gone through this. It's the first time to go through it. I have, again, what did I say earlier? The second deeper look, right? I'm not, I don't have any assumptions about this. I'm I'm pretty good about being able to say, okay, um, I'm not going to project. I'm just, we're just going to experience it in the moment. I don't know, is that bad or good, but that's just kind of the way I live life. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I don't build up any anxiety about it because um, everybody's like, well, do you have your speech written? Do you know what you're going to say? Are you having, I was like, mm, I hadn't thought about it yet. I mean, but I will. There'll be yeah, time I'll yeah. give to it. But <clears throat> no. Can you release the father-daughter dance uh, song or is that? Oh, yes. So the father-daughter. Um, do you have to is... get clearance for this? I know you used to say that you'd have to pay your daughters uh, when you would reference them in a sermon. No Do podcast. No, I don't. Podcast is free. You can reference. Yeah, it's Frank Sinatra. The way you look tonight. Ah, nice. Yeah, I'm going old school. Classic. You know, what uh, color of your is your tux going to be? Uh, I'm not wearing a tuxedo. I have. I'm wearing a black suit because it's kind of like a funeral. It's kind of <laughs> like a funeral. It's kind of like not like a funeral. Kinda it's like, a funeral to my bank account. So I'm wearing a black suit. Kind of like a funeral. I don't know. And then she has the. This is no look. It's, you just is what you need to understand about weddings. If you think that I had a choice in what I was supposed to wear, you are sadly mistaken. I was told I had to wear a black suit. And so I was, I was either going to get one and rent through some company, which I said, no, thank you. I went and, and bought a new black suit, which I needed a new suit anyway. So it's kind of, it worked. That's I good. broke it in this past weekend nice. at a wedding. So, nice. Yep. Well, your daughter's marrying a fine young man. He is a fine young man. He's fine, you're, Barney. You're going to have your first, you know, your first son. Yeah. In law. In law. Legally speaking. Mm-hmm. Yep. So in law. And then I'm like, when's your stuff out of my house? Because <laughs> this room, I need it. I'm going to turn it into a workout room, a man cave. Really? No, I'm just kidding. I was about to say, working out. <laughs> That's another thing I have no control over. My <laughs> wife said, no, 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 no. Well, anyway, it's been fun. Thanks for coming yeah. by, Joseph, and sitting in today yeah, for Matt. For um, appreciate you and all you do here. I'm John Stevens. And I'm Joseph Clam. And this is Pod Have Mercy.